Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. I'm Gabe. And I'm Jeff. And we're going to answer your questions today. But first, Jeff. Yes? How are you doing? I'm uh, pretty good. Pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm on top of the world. Woo! Pretty good. Uh, had a pretty good week. Nice. We got our uh, episodes on YouTube. Oh, right. Um, yes. In the wee hours of this morning, I got <laughs> them up. So if anybody wants to check them out on YouTube, you can do that. One, I had a couple clarifications that I wanted to bring in about last week. So first, I mentioned the the guy that made the one page RPGs. Oh, right. I said his name wrong. Oh, his name is Grant Howitt, oh. not Grant Hewitt. Hewitt. Okay. So I do Howitt. apologize as a person whose last name gets butchered quite a bit. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, I I feel bad for that, so I apologize. <laughs> um, dang, and I even I found out what that other guy's last name was. Oh and yeah, then me, I, me too. <laughs> and shoot, I forgot it. Oh no. Oh well. So he will forever be Tall, tall Chris. Chris. All right. Sorry, tall Chris. Yes. Another thing, I got an email from uh, Nicholas P., who brought in the magic item last week. All right. He told me that he there was actually a typo. We had the there was the conversion of money ability. Oh, I. See. It actually was supposed to be better than what it was. What like what as it was written, it was ten silver became one gold, which was a one to one, basically just a direct. Um, right. Yeah, just, it's supposed to be you get five times as much. Okay. So ten silver becomes five gold. Okay. I I kind of thought about that later on, and I was thinking. I even thought, what did we get the conversion wrong? Is it actually a hundred copper for every silver or something? Oh, like that? gotcha. I maybe, maybe we were off by a number or something like that. Yeah. No. I'm uh, unless I'm mistaken. In fifth edition, it is still uh, ten to, ten, ten to, to one. one. Okay. But he said. But he was saying that. It's, it's, yeah. It was. It was supposed to be. You get five times as much. Okay. As you. As yeah. You put all right. It. I figured. I figure it'd have to be like. Yeah. Something like yeah. Because that. that's that seems silly in a, in a game where people usually don't even like. People don't even. I I never worry about what right. what form my money is in. Right. Yeah. Like if unless people are like really 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 specific about like the weight of everything and like yeah. so it's like oh are we carrying around hundreds of pounds of gold or it's like no you probably have it in in the form of like jewels or something like right. that that would that would you know you need less of them to meet the to have the same amount of money. Yeah. Well, Jeff, you want to go ahead and get started with the episode? Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, before we go any further, uh-huh. I have something that I'm going to put in your hand. Oh, oh my! This in your di- hand. Okay. What do you have, Jeff? This is a this is a twenty sided dice. It is an icosahedron. All right. So I want you to roll that twenty sided die. Roll a perception check. Ooh. Okay. Hold on. Ooh, I got a fifteen. Okay. You just found the dragon's horde. Oh, God. All right. So for our item today, I actually have, I was going to bring this in as a joke and then come up with another item to bring in. But I thought, no, there's some discussion that can be gotten out of this. Okay. And now, Jeff, uh, you, correct, you have not, you have no idea what I'm, what I'm bringing in. Yeah, no, we haven't discussed this yet. So a guy, I'm, I, I keep mentioning I'm in the fifth edition D&D group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And a guy asked a question that I thought was just so, I don't even know how to describe it. So <laughs> I, I took a screen cap of it. Sure. I posted it on reddit.com uh-huh. on the, the D&D subreddit. And I got like 3,000 upvotes for it. Okay. Because so many people were just like, what? So I'm going to bring in. <laughs> okay. The, okay. So let me read the question that this gentleman asked. All right. Well, so he says, the ultimate magic item in my homebrew is the Locket of Infinite Wishes. 
which grants unlimited wishes that have none of the drawbacks of the wish spell and will always grant your wish as intended. Okay. The players are about to restore it to power, which I'm excited about. I just wanted to make sure they don't use it to avoid even bothering with the final encounters they know are coming. How should I do that? (laughs) What? So... Uh... He is giving his players and, and, a magic item that gives unlimited wishes, specifically with the caveat that it always works as intended and has none of the drawbacks. That's fine. Okay, whatever. I can understand making that the, like, you know, end result of your campaign. But it's his question that boggles my mind. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure... Basically, I'm giving my players the ability to do literally anything. Right. How do I make sure they don't use it? (laughs) What? What What is that? What is that even... How how do you do that? Well, um... Oh, my goodness. Uh... So, I mean, so so I'm bringing this item, the Locket of Infinite Wishes in as as the Dragon's Horde item today. I figured we could get some fun discussion out of this. Oh, sure. Now, there, I mean, there were people on Reddit that gave some responses. A lot uh-huh. of people took the question seriously and they were like, oh, well, you could, uh, you know, you could do this, this and this. A lot of the time they were just kind of ignoring the fact that it doesn't grant, that it, that it doesn't uh, screw with your wish. A lot of people were saying, oh, we'll make it so that it does screw with your wish. And it's like, okay. Or they were like, uh, it only works once per day or you can only use it for a minute and then it winks out of existence or something like okay you know whatever like as as written there's no way that this can can work in a campaign that is not over yet yeah i mean yeah if i would i would see this as like a as like a gift that you give to the characters after they've completed the campaign so that like they can wish away all the damage that the bad guy has done or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so you that so that they can have a cool epilogue. Right, yeah. You don't give this to them before they're done fighting the bad guy. Now, is it is it wish within the limitations of the wish spell? So I mean like you I mean obviously they can use it more than once, but like is it a wish cuz like doesn't a wish spell you like if you're wishing for like money, isn't there like a limited amount of money it actually gives yes, you? Yes, there is. This is actually something that I I had as a um, a question on the subreddit a few weeks ago. A lot of people seem to think anytime you use Wish, you have to be careful with what you're saying because it's going to screw you over. And a lot of DMs play it that way. Right. Those people need to read the spell description. Okay. Because in the spell description, it says if you want, if you use the Wish spell, it can do this, 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 and this. It can also do anything beyond that, but anything more powerful than those things you risk suffering consequences like if you don't word it correctly and then it gives time travel and as an example it says like oh well if you use it to wish that the bad guy is dead which would be arguably more powerful than the other abilities that it that they that they give examples of right then it says okay then you'll be transported to the future where the bad guy is already dead so technically speaking the wish spell wish spell can do literally anything uh-huh but if you do anything beyond the very, very strict uh, examples that they give, such as using, un- duplicating an 8th level spell or lower, so like a wizard spell of 8th level or lower, you can use Wish to duplicate that, even if you can't cast it normally. Mm-hmm. You can create money or a magic item up to a certain amount. 
Right. So like, I think let's, uh, I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, but in third edition, I think it was like 15,000 gold. So you could just cast wish and immediately have 15,000 gold or the same, you know, equivalent jewels right. or, or magic items. And then if you wished for more than that, then you ran into consequences. Like if you say, oh, well, I wish for a million gold, then okay, it might transport you to the center of the planet where there's a giant uh, lump of molten gold and now you're inside it and you die. Right. So it, so in the case of this magical item, it's, this getting, doesn't it's, do that. it's getting rid of that. So it's actually putting in the option of you can literally wish for anything and yes. nothing bad will happen. You will get it exactly the way that you want it to. Exactly. So like, all right. why would you purpose? I mean, I can understand, again, purposely putting that in so that the players can have a cool ending. They can literally become gods. Why do it before the campaign's over right. and then ask for ways to stop them from doing it? This, this reminds me of the, 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 the budget thing. The, the budget the, thing? The budget thing with the candles. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a meme on Reddit that, that my <laughs> wife got that uh, it was somebody asking, like, I need help. Um, I need help balancing my budget. And then they list the things they spend money on. It's like, you know, uh, $50 on this, $40 on this, $1,000 on candles. And then one of the replies is like, spend less on candles. And then they respond back, no. (laughs) That was it. That was the whole discussion. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's. It's basically asking that. (laughs) Like, if that's what it feels like to me, it's like, it's like, all right, I'm giving my players the ability to, yeah, to literally do anything. How do I make them not do anything? Yeah. And there were people that, that uh, again, some more replies people gave. Some pe- A lot of people were like, oh, a thief steals it in the night, which, okay. okay. I think yeah. that that is the, if anyone is offering that as a serious suggestion to any DM for any reason, I think that is the stupidest suggestion you can possibly give. A lot of the time people think that, th- a lot of people think that is a reasonable response to if if you give a player a magic item that ends up being too powerful, oh, a thief steals it in the middle of the night. Yeah. Really? That's no the- rolls or anything. Uh, we, we weren't keeping watch. They just happened to steal from us the one time that we had this super powerful magic item. Right, yeah. Like, there 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 was no thieves back in the first, le- uh, for, you know, first level that yeah, stole our Yeah, all the other or- times that we've, we've rested. Yeah. The one time we have... The, and, like, <laughs> I responded to one of these people saying, like, okay... I think that that's an incredibly stupid idea, but it is just as valid as this magic item. So sure, whatever. I guess, yeah. And I mean, like, also, if you had this magical item that could give you unlimited wishes, why not one of those wishes be, I wish that no one can never remove, like, can never take this from me. Why wouldn't that be the very first thing you ever do upon touching? And other people were like, um, maybe they use it and then uh, it turns out that the bad guy has one too and then he uses one too. It's, it's like... like that that just that's just yes no there, so there were there were a lot of replies to this that I don't think were very good replies but I mean again what look at what you're working with so I can't really fault anybody especially this, the people that took it as a serious request is this is this a serious like was this person serious is, yeah is, I mean I, I I is this a prank I don't day, think it was what a date is it. it <laughs> it's not April 1st. No. This was posted on March 23rd so okay. four days ago as of as of this recording gotcha um. Yeah, um, it's just, it's so odd. What One reply that I really liked okay. was, so this item basically makes the players into gods, like mm-hmm. literal gods. Mm-hmm. At that point, not only gods, gods of gods. At that point, the only thing that they can possibly, that can possibly challenge them 
is the creator of the campaign, at which point the DM has to fist fight them. <laughs> that's that's it. That's the answer. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, all right, it doesn't affect the character in any negative way, <laughs> but every time they make a wish, they have to be punched in the face. Yep. That's that's how you do it. Yeah. That's how you keep the players from using it before the campaign's over. No, I, yeah, I don't want to advocate any any actual violence. Because let's I imagine he probably gives them to the gives us then like during the last session. Okay. So the players, they're not going to use it during the session, but the minute they get out the door, they text the DM, all right, I use Wish to blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. So they use it once they're out of fist range. Out of fist range. <laughs> or, or, okay. All right. Something, something a little non-violent, less, little less violent. You have like a collect, just like a collection of like bean bags or something that you throw at the players, <laughs> like something that's not going to leave a bruise or anything, but it, it'll be like, as they're making their wish, you just keep pelting them with little sure, bean bags. Sure. Now, in all seriousness, I think that this this is a neat concept. Again, it is 100% the execution sure. that is the problem. Um, I had an idea for an epic level campaign, or just an epic level adventure a long time ago. Do you recall uh, our Eberron campaign, the Jay's Eberron campaign that he ran? Right, yeah. Do you remember how that campaign ended? Oh, very vaguely. I remember getting spit out of a dragon's mouth or something. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That, that probably happened. I remember fighting a dragon. I remember getting grappled by the dragon and then it like in its mouth and then it used its breath weapon and it killed oh, me or something. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. We did fight a dragon during the final encounter. Yeah. And that was when the dragon was like part alchemical robot or something. I, th- I think it, I think it was basically somebody's attempt at a Warforged dragon because the idea we're kind of getting in the weeds here, but sure. um, Jay's idea for the campaign was that there would be three bosses that we would fight over the course of the campaign. Mm-hmm. They were all sons of the, like the, the mythical dragon, one of the oh. three dragons that created the world. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so one of them uh, had its eyes ripped out. And so when we fought it, it had like super duper blind sight. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, and we fought it in like complete darkness or something. Is that I the is that think. the one that that Meg killed? With probably with, with natural twenties. Probably, okay. yeah. So one of them had its eyes ripped out. One of them had all of its bones broken, and so it it was psionic or something. Okay. And then the third one had its lungs ripped out. Oh my! Maybe I'm mixing those two up. Whatever it was, each of them like. In the myth that created them, each of them had something. Its its father, Kyber, the dragon that became the Underdark, saw that each of its sons was eventually going to surpass him. So he did something to maim them, which they then, in, oh. in game mechanics, ended up giving them some sort of, like, ridiculous right. advantage. Right. Yeah, they overcame it in some other yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so the, the point I'm trying to get at is that in that campaign, the final encounter was in the, the metropolis that is, like, the, pretty much the capital of of the, the, the continent in Eberron. So there was a giant fight that took place in the city that we lived in. Mm-hmm. And it, as part of the fight, there were a bunch of these beings known as Dalkir that Dalkir, were yeah. just walking around town causing mayhem. One of the, one of the, one of the quirks about fighting a Dalkir is that it's, it's like an epic level monster. It's like super duper difficult, but it has an aura of insanity. Okay. And Anything, any creature that comes within like 30 feet of it has to make a save or be permanently insane. And so like an army of these things was just like walking through the city, turning everyone insane, destroying all sorts of stuff. And so the boss was actually this dragon that I want to say we fought like on top of a skyscraper or something. Uh And we killed the bad guy. And then like somehow or another, we were given a wish 
and the wish that we used was to make it so that we, we undid all of the negative effects of that fight. Right. So like all the people that were made insane, we made them all sane again. But as part of that, no, nobody had any memory of it. Okay. Nobody had any memory that anything had happened. I had an idea for a follow-up for that campaign where some kid, let's say some kid's parents were killed during the attack on the, uh, the, the city. And for whatever reason, the wish that undid everything didn't bring his parents back to life. Huh. But it still wiped his memory. So all he knew was that his parents were dead and he didn't know who did it. Mm. My idea was that someday he's wandering along in the area of the of Corvair, the continent, an area of the continent called the Mornland. Uh, just uh, another little thing about Eberron. In Eberron, there's oh this goodness. area of the continent called the Mornland that was the result of some sort of magical cataclysm. Mm. As a result, healing doesn't work there. I think magic works there really funky. And then there's also living spells. They are oozes that are like a physical manifestation of a spell. Uh-huh. And when you fight a living spell, it's like I said, it's an ooze. And then it has the ability to create that spell effect at will. So if you were to fight like a living fireball, it would be a flaming ooze that every round is shooting off a fireball. So I had this idea, this kid who he knows that his parents are dead. He doesn't know who killed them. He's wandering through the Mornland for whatever reason. And he stumbles across a living wish. Okay. So he, let's say he even like, he falls off a cliff and lands in this like puddle of goo that then gives him the ability to cast wish at will. Mm -hmm. So then my idea was that his first wish was, I want to know who is responsible for like taking my memory or something. So whatever the, the, however it would work out, he wishes that whoever was responsible for the aftermath of that fight. Right get wiped from existence. And so then our characters who are off doing our own thing out in the world somewhere suddenly are plucked out of the world and plopped into their own little demi plane where it's just them. They can't escape. They have to find some way to escape. Uh And then when they do escape and they get back to the material plane, they then have to figure out who the heck did that and and then once they do, how you fight someone that has the power of infinite wishes. So basically, it would take the idea of giving a character infinite wishes mm-hmm. and making that into the end boss of the campaign. And okay. then the way that you would fight them is finding some way to nullify their ability to instantly cast wish at all times. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, I would be interested to see. It really depends on what the players would do with that power. It does. I yeah. mean, like. They could very easily, I mean, what's the saying? Power corrupts absolute power, corrupts absolutely or whatever. Exactly. What if the players kind of went crazy with it and they started like ruling the land and then they became the bad guys? I just don't see how that is not a 100% certainty. (laughs) Like, why would they even care what the final encounters of the campaign are? Sure. Yeah. At that point, the campaign... The campaign is over yeah, the moment done. you give that to them. Like, because there's no reason for them to continue it uh, being other than saying one wish and being like, I wish that that guy died. Yeah. Like, it, it just, it, it's such a 
a bizarre question. <laughs> it can't be serious. It, I don't know. It can't I, be serious. I'm pretty sure it was. I'll see if I can find the thread. I mean, uh, it, it, the thread was closed by the time I got there. Of course. Which which happens when there's <laughs> a lot of controversy or when someone's question gets answered right. and then everybody's just going off about whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like you, you go in there and there's just a string of deleted uh, comments. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So I, th- I think that'll do it for the Dragon's Horde. But oh, I just... I thought that would be Gabe, such a Gabe a goofy thing to talk about. Gabe, I wish I wish we never discussed this. <laughs> what we were talking about? See, I thought you were going to say like Gabe, I I don't know. I wish you weren't here and then I was just going to go silent <laughs> and then I don't know. Yeah, um I don't know. I can I can cut it out of the episode if you want. No, to. no, it's fine. It's <laughs> you fine. already wished it. It happened. Dang it. You know what would be hilarious? What's that? If I started the episode with you saying that. <laughs> Anyway, you want to get into some questions? Uh, yes, I, I, w- I wish to start some questions. Okay, cool. Oh, uh, sorry. If, if anybody wanted to submit some questions or submit an item for the Dragon's Horde, how would they do so? Oh, they could do that by emailing us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. Good. All right. So our first uh, question comes through email from Nicholas P. How can a DMPC be pulled off well? So a uh, DM-controlled uh, player character. Yes. So... There's a there's a lot going on with this question. This is a good question, and I uh, I've been I've been waiting for this question. Mm-hmm. A a DMPC. He actually used the term GMPC, which uh, I prefer DM just because you know D and D is the is the game I play the most. Sure. DMP, a DM is specifically in Dungeons and Dragons. A GM is just kind of for for any other any other role playing game. It's, right. it's a game master rather than a dungeon a dungeon master. master. So uh, a DMPC, like Jeff said, it's when it's when the DM has a character that is part of the group. Now, this is notably different than an NPC. There, I've been in groups where the party had an NPC, like a follower that came along with them. Right. You know, that is something different. And I'll, I'll get to that as we go. I'm just going to say my, my thoughts right here at the beginning. I don't think a DMPC ever has a place in a campaign. Okay. I will I will go into why people use them and when they work the best. But the best a DMPC can be used, in my opinion, the best case scenario, it is unnecessary. Sure. Sometimes it's unnecessary. Most of the time, it is an active detriment to the campaign. Gotcha. So people use DMPCs for different reasons. I would say there there are two main reasons a DM would use one. Okay. Uh, one of them is is the better of the two reasons. The other is notably a bad reason. But again, I think most of the time they're they're both at best unnecessary. I would say the main reason that DMs use DMPCs is because they don't want to be the DM. They want to be a player, and so as a result, they are making themselves part of the fun of being a player. They're putting themselves into the party. Because they they want to be a player more than they want to be a DM, or just that they want they want to be a player even in addition to being a DM or sure. or whatever. It's like a yeah, director wanting to be an actor, exactly sort of thing. And I mean, there are ways to do that well. Sure. In theory, there are ways to do it well as a, you know when it's a DM. But again, at best, it's unnecessary. Yeah, I would say that if. If you don't want to DM, you shouldn't be. Now, of course, sometimes nobody wants to DM and, you know, you should never force someone to be the DM if they don't want to be. But, like, if you don't want to be the DM, that's one thing. If you are trying to act out your wishes to be a player by putting yourself as a a character in the group, Mm -hmm. it's not going to end well. 
Yeah, it's it it's going to be almost impossible to to not give yourself an advantage or to favor exactly. your, your own character. Exactly. Cuz like let's say, you know, you got to put in treasure. Well, of course I got to put in treasure for my character too. Well, you know, I I really like this sword. Nobody else in the group uses a sword. I'll give myself this this sword. Oh, that that sword's actually really good. Hmm. Okay. Well, oh and maybe I'll give my character this other thing that my character really sure. wants too. And like if you're in combat, you're not going to – if you're playing a character in the group as well as DMing, you're – I'm just going to tell you right now, you're not going to let your character die. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you won't let the other players die too, but you're not going to let anything bad happen to your character. It's it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's going to take – it's going to take just way too much self-control to not let that happen. Yes. And, and I, I'd say – yeah, if, if the reason you if you the reason you're putting in the PC is that you you yourself want to want to be a part of the fun of being a player, and you're I don't know if you're really into this character like if you if you love the character too much then you're gonna yeah you're gonna put yourself in an advantage. I feel like if you're gonna do that and you and like you bring it up with the group ahead of time obviously and you want to give yourself you want to put yourself at equal ground of everybody else. Right. I would even say go go even go go further in the opposite direction. Make it so the character dies all the time. Like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Or like, it's like you know, like maybe maybe make it more like a. I don't know. I would I would even say if you if you just want to have some some form of of uh, of PC, you know, be okay with it dying. Even be okay with having to re-roll it if it's just something that's gonna like that you just want to you just want to be part of it in some way. Yeah. Try not to have too many attachments to it. Otherwise, you do run the risk of of protecting it from from death and things like that. Yeah, and it the biggest problem with using a DMPC is that most of the time your DMPC is going to end up overshadowing the rest of the group, whether yeah. intentional or not. It's just gonna happen. Yeah. So the the like I said, the first reason that a lot of people use DMPCs is because they want to be a player, and so they want to be a part of the group as a player. Right. The second reason is the is the the better reason, but you know again it's it's still doesn't necessarily justify it. The second reason is you want to make a character that is going to fill in a gap in the party. Now, when we were doing Age of Worms, mm-hmm. um, there was a point. So when the campaign first started, when you guys were all first level, the party consisted of oh. a paladin, a ranger, a hexblade, and a barbarian. Oh right! The four of you, uh, you Jeff, sorry, you Jay, Steve, and uh, and Meg, right. Jay's girlfriend, who then um, uh, she ended up leaving the group a, a couple uh, adventures in because she moved away. The four of you were all some form of variant fighter. Sure, yeah. Which is a little goofy. That now that changed a little bit. Like I said, Meg's character, the Hexblade, uh, left, so she wasn't a part of the equation anymore. And right. Then, I got a different character you, altogether. Exactly, because you realized you didn't really like your character, so which your character just kind of left. Which, which I I replaced that character that that didn't <laughs> just it did, it wasn't a viable character, and then I changed it to an similarly unviable character <laughs> i went from a, like a ranger who specialized in like hunting game basically yeah and then i i was like you know what that's not gonna really come up much as cool as that sounded to me in a fantasy world it wasn't gonna come up much so then i, I then i went with the savant class because it was in the newest book that we had yeah, uh, had yeah. obtained so and i'm that, like this is the coolest thing but then in, the savant is just 
not great at anything, but good at a lot of things. Yeah, they were kind of like all about skills. They had abilities that let other people in the party which I never used. use your modifiers or something. Yeah, I yeah. I just so, never so, used any abilities. So your character was all about skills and then like you know a full disclosure a little ways into the campaign you even grew kind of dissatisfied with that so you started multi-classing with uh with warlock right eventually but my point is so a few adventures into the campaign we realized that the party can well so so steve after first level multi-class into cleric so you guys had a cleric who was also a a beast of a fighter. Oh, yeah. A paladin who was, you know, a, a pretty good fighter as well. Yeah. Jay used, he used two swords and he was uh, pretty good in melee combat. And then your character who was like you, good at skills. Yeah. Uh, g- good at skills, I guess. So we, we realized, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean it like no, that. It's okay. But I guess it works if the shoe fits where it. Uh, we had a, a point where we realized that we as, as the group, I'm not saying me as the DM, I'm saying like, I think... It was it was brought up by somebody, but the, the whole group had a discussion about it. Sure. We realized that you guys didn't have an arcane spellcaster. Right. And we weren't sure what to do if you got to a point where you needed one. Now, the reason that I say that a DMPC, even when you are trying to fill in a gap in the party, the reason I say a DMPC is unnecessary is that you're the DM. If you notice that the party is lacking something, you can always change the adventures that you're making or you're running to accommodate a group that doesn't have that. Sure. It's a little bit harder when you're running a pre-written adventure, which we were. But even still, if if I ever saw that you guys didn't have enough healing, for example, I could always just put in more healing potions or or something. There's always a way that you can you can shore up the party's drawbacks, the party's weaknesses without introducing a new character. So it was it was acknowledged that in the party you guys didn't have a person that could deal with arcane stuff. So I started making an NPC that was a an arcane caster. I think it was an arcane caster with like a little bit of rogue stuff thrown in mm. because I don't think your character was very good at like picking locks. But <laughs> the character that was all about skills. Right. Oh. But but by the time I finished the character and I was like, okay, I have this character. If you guys want me to run it, I can. Mm-hmm. We realized, well, wait a minute. By that point, you, I think, had started multi-classing into Warlock. Right. And maybe you put some points in Open Lock or something. <laughs> so we realized, you know, you guys don't actually need this. Right. So I didn't use it. Yeah. It was, again, it was it was brought to my attention that the party might have a weakness that needs to be filled. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't need it. So I didn't do it. Yeah. So I say that it's it's unnecessary a lot of the time because you can change the things that need to be changed. But even still, even if the party does have a weakness, you should never, ever bring in a DMPC unless the group specifically requests it. Sure. It should never be the DM's idea to bring in a DMPC. No, yeah, because if you're yeah, if you're trying to if you're trying to fix something that's wrong with the group, yeah, there's plenty of other ways to fix it that don't involve something that's gonna take more of the DM's time. Yes. Because it's just like having to juggle that extra that extra action or that extra round, like you know, the whole extra stat block. Right. It's it's you know it's going to be too much. Like you know, even to the point where you, like something like this should be controlled by the players. You know that and that goes for the same for like the like the the NPCs that the NPCs that join the party and things. Yeah, like that. yeah. So you know, with the question of how can it be done well, like I said, only do it if the players specifically request it. Mm-hmm. And then number two, like you said, Jeff, don't. Have the DM control them. 
Right. Give it to one of the players, one of the players that's more experienced or maybe a player that has a simpler character. Sure. Let them control. The DM already has so many things going on. And if the DM is not in control of it, the DM is not going to make that character the center of attention. Sure. Well, one one idea I came up with was uh, if it's like if it's like, oh, the party just needs a healer. That is probably the most common use right. for DMPC. So like, OK, that's also the DM brings in a, uh, a cleric player character. Have that in at least in combat, have that player character be controlled by whoever has the least amount of hit points yeah, or something yeah. like that. So it's like, you know, so everybody gets a chance to to to, you know, control it. So it's like, you know, it's. It's not favored, you know, you're not, the DM doesn't have to choose favorites because it doesn't, you know, belong to anybody specifically. Now it's, I would say that a DM PC is notably different than an NPC because I mean, a lot of people have like NPC helpers that come along. Mm -hmm. When I first started playing with Ichi in, uh, in that campaign where I was playing with like Chris and, uh, um, John and Melissa, Uh uh, in that campaign, a couple adventures in, there was a time where we like went, we stopped at some, just some little like, hamlet out in the middle of nowhere we rested there for the night and then as we were leaving this guy started following me he started following ichi and uh so i was like uh, i'm sorry who are you he's like oh my name is donovan i'm uh, i'm coming with you guys and you know ichi was like well, what he was like yeah yeah I, I saw you guys your adventurers you came through he showed that he he was holding like one of those little bindle with the, like a stick with a sure. uh, <laughs> handkerchief on the end with all the stuff in it he's like yeah i want to be an adventurer too i want to come with you guys Uh-oh. and so he came along the dm I think the DM did control him, but like he didn't take part in combat. Maybe once in a while he would like shoot a crossbow and miss or yeah. Like I don't think he ever took part in combat Mm. meaningfully. Occasionally he might be there. Like if, if we were, he might have like a couple skills that if we needed to use, if we needed somebody that could like, I don't know, forage for food while we were, uh, you know, looking for like the goblins that are hiding out in the wilderness. He would be the one, he would just go and like look for food for us and have it ready for us when we came back. He fulfilled a purely a, a role-playing role. Right. Um, More mundane tasks. He, tasks. Yeah, mundane tasks, exactly. He would never like chime in unless we asked him a question. Right. But him being there did add to the campaign because he was kind of a liability at times. One of the uh, most memorable parts of the campaign was actually a very bad one uh ichi got donovan killed Uh oh he got better he got better (laughs) because we had a high level uh cleric in the group with very very powerful connections sure he eventually came back but not for a long time and like for a while i the player and ichi the character felt super guilty because this was just a this was just some dude Mm -hmm. he didn't even have class levels i don't think oh no that was just coming along with us to be our helper because he he wanted to see what it was like to be, you know, to be out on the road as an adventurer. And Ichi got him killed. To be fair, I actually don't know if he literally died. He at, at the very least became a thrall to an Aboleth. Okay. Let's just say so he died. Probably worth, worse <laughs> Probably than worse. John was running this. John was the guy who introduced Donovan as the, John Donovan the character. He was a DM at the time. He was a DM that if you roll, if you fail to save, you hope your character died. <laughs> because if your character didn't die, that meant something far worse was going to happen. I'll, because I'm on this subject, I'll even... So so I said that Ichi, uh, Ichi got Donovan killed. It's because Ichi failed a will save uh-huh. and started a war. <laughs> he failed a will save, blacked out. When he came to, <laughs> he, 
he had just killed the prince of the nearby country in the current country. Oh, no. So, like, the the prince from the other country had come to Ichi to, like, get help because the two countries were at war. And he was like, oh, you know, I think these people are after me. So Ichi was like, no, no, I'll, I'll take care of this. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So then Ichi went off. This was a solo adventure, by the way, because nobody else showed up that day. Oh, no. Um, and, and he failed to save. <laughs> Next thing you knew, he was standing over the dead body of the prince. And oh. a war happened. And like, I, I th- imagine th- the other players coming back and be, and you being like, well, that's what happens when you guys don't show up. Ichi well, starts wars. Pretty much. It got worse, <laughs> if I can say. I mean, uh, I'm not, I don't want to get too much into this because okay. there's a lot to this. But <laughs> Ichi got arrested and put in jail. Uh-huh. The other two members of the party got killed trying to break him out. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, so much horrible stuff happened because of this fa- failed will save. But anyway, my point is that an NPC <laughs> is different because a DMPC, I feel, makes a significant difference in the game, whether it's in combat, out of combat, or both. Yeah. An NPC is just another character that happens to be there. Like, they, they might have importance to the story, but mm. they are not going to be overshadowing anybody right so that that's how you do if you're going to do a dmpc well i wouldn't even really call it a dmpc if you're going to make a character that's that's you know so ineffectual or whatever but like if you're using a dmpc you cannot have the dmpc overshadow the players yeah right now i have a couple examples of dmpcs that were done poorly okay again full disclosure one of which was me (laughs) but let me get to both of these so the first one when i first started playing dmd I had a character, my first character ever, was a human monk named Harrop. His full name was Harrop Otter. Harry Potter, because <laughs> when I was in high school, everybody told me that I looked like Harry Potter. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I need a goofy uh, fantasy name. So I wrote out Harry Potter and just cut some, put some spaces in there. You put like little little hyphens in it or little uh, just, just, apostrophes. Just, I should have, if he was elven, I would have put apostrophes. Right, yeah. Because... <laughs> Because you're not a true elf unless you have Unless you several. have at least two apostrophes in your name. Right. But uh, so I, I had this character. He was a monk because I thought monks looked really cool. <laughs> oh, goodness. So I made this monk, Harrop. And um, I played with this character until we were maybe like sixth or seventh level. And then uh, um, the group kind of fell apart. I don't know if it fell apart or if they just stopped calling me. I, I'd be willing to accept either the p- other people in the group were kind of jerks and I was, I, I was not a good player, so I can't even act like I was, <laughs> sure. I was worth having around. But then I started playing with, you weren't even a part of the group at the time. I started playing with uh, my best friend, Jay, and then our friend, Steve, who basically just heard me and Jay, he overheard us talking about D and D one day in the studio at school. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Oh, you guys play D and D? We're like, yeah. And so we started playing D <laughs> and then our, our a mutual friend, Jamie as well played with us. All right. And the first campaign I ran, I was a horrible DM because I had only played with horrible players and, uh, and, and, and horrible DMs. And, you know, it's the, the blame doesn't even go solely to them. I was just a bad DM. There's, there's no other way to put it. I was a bad DM. And for the first whole bunch of that campaign, basically every adventure was like, oh, hey guys, Harrop is here. Let's go along with Harrop and uh, see what crazy antics he gets up to. <laughs> And I, you know, I can fully acknowledge that this was terrible. Sure. Like literally one of the adventures was the characters are following Harrop. He fights a big bad guy and they cheered him, cheer him on. That's pretty much what the adventure was. Oh goodness. I feel so bad about this, but (laughs) whatever. I'm trying to make up for it now. That's what this podcast is all about. It's one of those things that haunts your dreams. (laughs) Yes. So like I would have him show up. 
and save the players when whenever they were in danger. I would, like I said, have him do all of the work and the player, the other players just kind of like cheered him on or were just there to bear witness to the awesomeness of Harrop. <laughs> so I can definitely understand the mindset that a lot of other DMs are in when they do exactly that. It was terrible. If I could go back and change it, I would just cut him out entirely. I wouldn't put anybody else in his place. I would put the players in his place. Sure. The players are the ones that are fighting that big bad guy. Maybe, maybe Harrop shows up to cheer them on. Right. There you maybe. Go. <laughs> Whatever. I, I want to say one of the very few attempts I had at actually DMing. It was very, very early on in me ever playing. It was just like, it was just like, it was just, just me and Steve yeah. doing like advanced D&D. I pretty much did. I think I want to say something similar to that, where it's just like, oh, this character that that like I you know I play all the time, and like oh he shows up and he's like, hey, let's go do this thing, like you know let's let's go get this cool magical item for my character, <laughs> right? You know, I was like ah, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you you uh, you learn from things. <laughs> so I I talk about this character Ichi a lot. Yeah, I have done things with the character of Ichi in the games that I've run that. Some people might look at and say, oh, well, aren't you doing the same thing with Ichi? And I I would emphatically say no. Mm. I have Ichi show up in every campaign that I run in some way or another, whether the like most of the time it's in a way the players would never even realize. Even if they knew who Ichi was, they wouldn't realize that it was him. Because most of the time I have it be something so minor that you, there's no way you could say it impacted anything. Yeah, it's it's more of a like a cameo sort of thing. Exactly. Than there will be times where if I if I need an NPC off the top of my head, it's Ichi. Yeah. I'll call him something different, but I'll have the players meet him, and then maybe much much later on, I will like throw in a joking reference that makes the players realize, oh my goodness, wait a minute, was that Ichi? For example, during Age of Worms, um, the last arc of the campaign, you guys were in some city that was run by this evil guy or whatever, and there was a. One of the sessions I was doing like little mini solo adventures for each of you. Mm-hmm. And I needed an NPC that was going to, I, I think Steve was, Steve was trying to learn some rumors. And so I was reading the rumors that were in the, the issue of, of dungeon. And I eventually, I started saying them with like a particular type of voice that made them all sound like they were coming from the same person. Even though, like, I think when you're hearing rumors, like, it's supposed to be abstract. It's supposed to be like, oh, you picked up this bit of information here and this right. bit there. And so after giving Steve over the course of the session several of these rumors, I realized like, who the heck, what kind of person would be telling him all of this stuff? And then I think <laughs> I jokingly like mentioned uh, that th- he, w- he was in fact getting all of this from the same guy. <laughs> and then I mentioned I, I made some reference to the type of sword that the guy was carrying. And it was basically it was a katana. Because EJ used a katana. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I, I I think like I had I gave him some name, but like it was just it was just some name. It, it wasn't anything significant. And then in the very last adventure of the campaign, there's supposed to be a scene, or there's supposed to be part of the adventure where there's tons of random encounters going around going on around the city. Because by this point the city's been overrun by undead and so on and so on. And so I had several of these little like cameo encounters Mm -hmm. set up for this this adventure where you guys would see a group of adventurers fighting a bunch of undead and i use that as callbacks to earlier in the campaign one of the groups was ichi 
and then this other character that you guys had met earlier on. So I ha- I made it clear because I, you know, you guys knew about Ichi. You knew he was really good at fighting undead. You knew about like what his sword could do and whatever. And so I had you guys see the guy that Steve had met earlier mm-hmm. in a previous adventure fighting this giant undead thing. And then he slashes at it and it gets disintegrated because Ichi's sword did that. Right. And so, again, just a little cameo in a couple of the last adventures of the campaign. Small little tangent here. So another one of those little cameos that I put into that adventure mm-hmm. was a, okay, so so uh, your character Elijah, the the savant that you talked yeah. about. There was a joke that the players never knew Elijah's last name. <laughs> I won't get into it now. I'll save that for some other time. But I had, there, there, was, there was some little story, <clears throat> some character stuff that happened between Elijah and his father. Sure. That, that you, had, you had figured out. You figured out that Elijah and his father did not see eye to eye. Mm. His father wanted him to be a fighter. Elijah wanted to be a scholar or whatever. So they, they, they parted ways after Elijah's father, like, wounded him in some way. Yeah. And so I had one of the little adventuring parties that you guys encountered consisted of Elijah's father. Yeah. The ranger that was your character at the beginning of the campaign. Right, yeah. And the doppelganger that took Elijah's place. Right, yeah. But the, the doppelganger that... that The doppel... So, so, yeah. So, those three characters, all of which have an out-of-game connection to Jeff. Right. But none of which have any connections in-game. I thought that would just be a hilarious adventuring party. Right. To, you know, to encounter during this thing. So, yeah. I like to throw in little, little uh, callbacks like that. So, oh, what were we even talking about? Um, okay, so, so DMPC. I mentioned, so so I use Ichi a lot. And not only do I, I try to use Ichi in very, very small doses for very, very background things, but also I have taken great pains to come up with a legitimate reason why Ichi shows up everywhere, which I'll get to some other time. I've been talking about making like an episode that's, I just record myself talking about Ichi for two hours or whatever. (laughs) It's not just, oh, Gabe's character shows up. How convenient. No, no, no. Like there's, I I have, I've come up with reasons for why he is in all of these different campaigns. Right. And like, and you know, and if you're, if you're trying to bring in a character that you have or something like that, like it's nice to like, like as a cameo or just like a little tool to give the, the players some, some information. Yeah. So like, it, you know, in the way that you've used Ichi, there, there was, I, there, I think there was a time we came across him just as we were like, we were all resting for the night at the campfire and he was like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm a traveler as well. In, and he sat down and yes, in said the, a couple things that gave us a little hint to like of information or something. Yes. A, in the fifth edition campaign that I ran uh, like two years ago, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you guys rested for the night and then you rested for the night and got attacked. No, wait. No, that didn't happen at all. That was in the book I was writing. Never mind. You guys rested for the night and he showed up. Yeah. And he just like told you guys some stories and you eventually parted ways. Like that was really just kind of, I was just, you know, I'm trying to liven up the world a little bit. Right. Maybe further down the line, I would have had, maybe he would show up again. Sure. But I just, I wanted an interesting NPC for you guys to meet along the way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that, that. That served a good enough purpose. Zave's character was so suspicious of him from the minute, like the whole time he's like watching. Him, he's like, what did he do? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be watching him. <laughs> he, he did what next? Hmm. I think you even had it that he, Interesting. Didn't, he didn't even have his uh, sword with him. He I did not. It. And there is a reason for that. Because, oh. okay. So, so I, I'm, I'm writing this book. Oh. I, I wrote, uh, I, I'm. I started writing a fantasy novel a couple years ago and I it's on indefinite hiatus. Someday I'll get back to it. But the 
campaign that I was running for you guys was kind of, I was taking the book and making it into a campaign so that I could get inspirations for the book from the campaign and then get inspirations for the campaign from the book. Right. Yeah. The problem is both the campaign ended and I stopped writing the book, but in the book, there was going to be a, that was going to be a point. The characters noticed he didn't have a sword. And then eventually I think I was going to explain why, but anyway, so yeah, he he didn't even have his sword. He just kind of was there. I think he might've had, I gave him like a, a jug that produced infinite ale or something. Cause he sure. loved to drink, but yeah, so you know, it's I just used him as an as an NPC. Yeah, so yeah, so if you want to put if you want to put your own characters in your games somehow, like there are more subtle ways to do it. Than there, just there are them there into are the party. Uh, otherwise, if you're doing it for filling a gap in the party, that's know. that's the better reason to do it. But even still, you don't have to use a DMPC for that. Mm-hmm. You could do something else, right? I, I do have well, I do have one more example of a bad DMPC. Should I do that? We're already running super late. Should uh, I give I, the other example? If you want to, yeah. Okay. So I have there's a DM that I played with for a few months a few years ago. He was a terrible DM. We currently have a question in our little question bank of what's your worst DM. I will bring him in as my worst DM, so I don't wanna I don't wanna give too much detail about him as a DM. But uh-huh. one of the things that he did was he did have a DMPC in his group. This DMPC was a half Minotaur cleric named Moo. I don't know what stats he was using for a half Minotaur because mm-hmm. this was a third edition game. I don't even or a three point five game. I don't think there was ever an official half Minotaur. There might have been. There might have been something, some way to do it. Maybe using maybe. like Savage Species, which I think was a three point book. I don't it, think it was a three. It was a three book that was like right on the cusp of three point five. Yeah. Regardless, like the main issue with with this this character, Moo never talked. He just said the word Moo. Okay. So it's not like he was doing too much to overshadow the players narratively, but Moo could not die. Whenever we were in combat, if Moo got attacked, like, I don't even know if the DM kept track of how much damage he took. He would occasionally have monsters attack Moo, but like, I swear at one point, one of the players figured out that Moo had like over a hundred hit points and we were like level four at the time. And he never seemed to run out of spells. The few times that... He ended up having to make like a strength check or something like that. His strength was through the roof. Whatever he was trying to do, he succeeded at. Mm. And it was just ridiculous. Now, there were a lot of issues with this DM's with this DM and his campaign. And I won't get into too much of those now. But like one of the guys in the group, he realized this DMPC, Moo, is the head and shoulders, the most powerful member of our party. Mm. So he started exploiting that. He would purpose, he would buff Moo and then he would like purposely position himself so that the enemies could not attack him without going through Moo. And I don't know why the DM didn't do more to discourage this, but like eventually Moo was our tank and healer and damage dealer all at the same time. Because like, it's like, well, uh, well, yeah, let's just buff this guy with, uh, that has 200 hit points and let him kill everything in one hit. Right. It, it it sounds it sounds like this DM just like like liked being the hero and having the attention and so when the uh, when the player started using that to his advantage the the DM had no problem with it cuz it played into his what he wanted. I guess, yeah. And from what I had heard cuz I I I became friends with some of the other people that were in the group that had known this particular DM for a long time. Mm-hmm. And 
from what I understand, Mu showed up in every campaign that he ran in some form or another, like usually as a as a as a character, like a a, a DM PC. Gotcha. And so I just think like that's that's the worst thing you can do as a as a as a DM like with a DM PC. It it might just be as simple as like that that like he didn't necessarily want to be a DM and like he's like he started D and D by being the DM and always wanted to be a player and that sort of thing. And so like, he just, he's just been doing this from the beginning and that's his idea of what a DM does. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But, like I said, this guy had a lot of issues that I will get to sure. in a future episode. I guarantee it. Okay. So, um, yeah, we've spent a lot of time on that one question as well as, as well as the, the dragon sword. Do you want to do another, um, another question to yeah, yeah. do a quick one? Sure. Sure. All right, next question comes from Laughing Jackal. Jackal? It is Jackal. Okay. Uh, from Reddit, and he asks, what's the best way to introduce new players into an already existing game? Also, how many players is too many? Uh, he says that he's currently has seven players, and it seems to be slowly uh, growing. First question, what's the best way to introduce new players? Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, in my opinion, the best way sure. is to just, they're a part of the group, start the adventure. Don't even worry about it. And then once the players are comfortable with each other and once the characters, you know, they know how to play together and so on. Right. Once everybody's had time to think about the characters, mm-hmm. then you can figure out, you can sort of go back and retcon and say, okay, well, you guys met him here. Sure. To have the players get used to each other before you figure out how it is the characters are going to get used to each other. Yes. Just just to make it a little bit smoother. I mean, that that way... Because it's it's kind of hard to ask somebody who just started to like figure out like every little detail about their character like in such a short amount of time because it, right, it like right. it, it like because everybody's had their character throughout however many adventures they've had that much time to grow into their character it's yeah it's gonna be tough for a player to come into that and try to keep and try to like you know to try to catch up so right. yeah yeah that is that is a good idea to kind of just like have the player get used to the party before the character has to be like officially introduced. Yeah. I also think it's it's always it's always a little bit janky when the DM is trying to find some way to justify a new person being a part of the group. Mm. Cuz I mean, think about it. When you're an adventuring party, you put your life in the hands of your team, you know, multiple times every day. Like the you you rely on it, you trust the other characters in the group, you rely on them with your life. Mhm. And it's always a little goofy when it's like, oh, we just met you. Uh, for some reason, I feel like trusting you with my life. Right. So rather than – I think rather than just haphazardly being like, okay, oh, he's – you woke up in a cell and this guy is next to you and now you're going to fight alongside each other. I think that's that's a little weird. And again, I think it's better to just like don't worry about that. You're already going to be glossing over whether or not you should – your characters should want to be a part of a group together. Mm-hmm. You're already kind of going to be using suspension of disbelief on that. Right. So just stretch that a little bit further and just just go with it until you've had time to play with each other for a while. And then you can come up with, you know, a, a good introduction at your leisure. Sure. Yeah. Have it, have it be some sort of flashback even. Sort of yeah. Thing, yeah. You something know, like that. Just be like, oh, yeah. And like, you know. Remember that time we met in in the bar or whatever? Right. And for this reason, I even, um, I've, over the years, I've uh, moved away from having the players meet up in a bar right before their first session together. Right. Because it's for the same reason. Like, well, you just met yesterday. Are you going to be relying on each other for your lives today? 
Mm-hmm. You know, that can work. I'm not saying it can't, but I think it's better to just say, okay, you guys are a part of this group. It's up to you guys as we go to figure out how you met. Right. Or even like, even if you do want to come up with it beforehand to say our characters already knew each other. Sure. So when this, when the campaign begins, we are already friends. Yeah. It, it makes things, it makes things a lot easier, especially when you're trying to get the momentum of the, of the game going. Exactly. It's, it's hard when like the first three hours is trying to basically convince the characters to work together to, and like, <laughs> yeah. And this kind of goes in uh, in uh, last week when we talked about having some having your character do something that kind of goes against the group. Yeah, like the ro- you know the like a paladin or rogue in the same party together, there could be some conflicts there. Right. And so, like trying to start off an adventure, start off a campaign where these two characters come together in some way or another, and trying to get them to like you know. Try to convince them and try to convince each other that they're going to be in a party together. It it can be weird. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's just, it's just more fun to just start with the adventure. A lot of old adventures, like a lot of old D and D groups would literally start the session in front of the dungeon. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, that doesn't, not everybody wants to just get rid of right into the action, but mm. like. That's that's what you all came to do. So that's not a that's not a bad approach. Right. You know, if if you're having issues getting everybody like invested in their characters being a group, then don't worry about it. Just start them off at the at the dungeon. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's if if that's taking away from the fun of it, for, you know, if it's slowing things down and taking away from everybody's good time, then yeah, just skip that part. Just yeah. be like, all right, you guys are, you know, you guys are together. You're in the here. Here's the dungeon, you know. Right, right. This is what you're doing. And like, I mean, if, if you've been playing together for a long time, if you're, if it's your group of, of gaming buddies and you've been playing together for years, you know, then go hog wild with whatever, you know, introduction you want. Go ahead and, and have it be as, you know, if, if you know that you can rely on the players to, you know, all come up with something good. Then you don't have to worry about it. Sure, but, yeah. But again, if it's if you're introducing a new care a new player, just just get them right into the action, and then worry about everything else later. Right. Plus, it's gonna yeah, it it'll be easier for that person to get used to everybody else. Even, right. Because it's just they won't feel like they're the odd man out, you know, as much. Yeah, yeah. And which just makes things harder for them to to get along with everybody. So, and then uh, yeah, the also uh, how many players is too many? Right. Yeah. Really, the answer is however. However many you think is too many. Right. If <laughs> um, if you feel like you're not giving each player enough attention mm-hmm. or if, if any of the players feel like they're not. If, if you as a player feel like you're not getting enough attention, you know, bring it to the DM's attention. Like, tell, sure. tell him about it. Yeah. So, yeah, if, like if you can't give enough focus on each player to where everybody's having a good time. Yeah, yeah. That could that could be you're you're at the you're kind of at the cap there. The other thing is time. Yes, especially in combat. Sure. When you've got a, too many players, you know it right. when you're in combat. Oh, yeah. Rounds just take so long. I mean, you know, we have we have pretty small groups when we play. And, yeah. And combat can sometimes take a very long time. It can. I, I've mentioned before, I think in our first episode, I really like three players plus the DM. You know, four or five I think is still good. Mm-hmm. Six I would I think would be a bit pushing it but because isn't it most written adventures are are, are looking at more of a uh, the larger size parties well, like five to six i think players. in fifth edition five is the norm yeah in third edition it was four okay yeah and then like a, a lot of the time adventures will have like a pre-written adventure will have examples of like how to adjust it up or down but sure. like really yeah it's all personal preference if you think that 
there's too many people. There's too many people. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think that'll just about do it. We we kind of spent a, a long time with our first couple of things in the episode. But, oh, that's fine. You know, yeah, I think I think it's good. You guys came here to listen to us just talk about nothing, right? <laughs> just, right? You just go on and on about our right? past adventures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so if anybody wanted to submit items or questions, please email us at interpartyconflict at gmail.com. For show notes, a running list of questions asked and important links, or to download the episode, go to interpartyconflict.blogspot.com, where we have a link to our SoundCloud page. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash interpartyconflict, or go to our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash interpartyconflict for weekly discussion questions from me. We're also on Twitter at InPartyConflict, and we're on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and now YouTube. Woo! Please rate, review, and subscribe. We really appreciate it. And the music for our episodes is made by Boxcat Games from Nameless the Hackers RPG. So, Jeff, what should people do until next time? They should uh, they should wish for another episode. <laughs> there you go. Woo!